0: The stock market crashes 9% and loses $1 trillion in equity within just a few minutes. But then, a huge rally? This is the story of the flash crash. Welcome to another episode of the Fool's Gold Podcast. I'm Brian, the stock market fool, and on the other line we've got Ryan, the crypto fool, Ryan, how's the uh, how's the crypto market looking these days?
1: Oh well, Brian, it's uh, Ethereum hit an all time high today. Uh, wow, that's huge! But it huge. Just, just just poked his head up and then it dropped back down. So we'll, we'll see. It's, I still don't know where it's going. It seems like it's bullish overall, but I was I don't know. I, I was reading something today where a lot of uh, big investors appear to be shorting. Ethereum, so mm. we'll see. We'll see.
0: It's, it's coming up into resistance.
1: Yeah, it's, I guess so.
0: <laughs> some some trading terms thrown out out there. Uh, yeah, it looked like Bitcoin had a you know it broke down a couple of weeks ago and it wasn't looking so good, but uh, people bought the dip. <laughs> bought the you dip. Know, they, they came in there and uh, it's just been kind of consolidating over the last uh, couple of weeks, right?
1: Yep, that's right. Bought the chip like chips and dip. <laughs>
0: Well, this that's a good segue to our story and topic for today's podcast, which is the flash crash of 2010. So I know that both of us were focusing on other things back then and not on financial markets. We were only like 20 years old, but have you heard of the flash crash, Ryan? Uh, not really, no. Okay, well, let me... Take a step back and paint a picture for you on what was going on that led up to this moment. So it had only been about a year since the market bottomed from the 2008-2009 financial crisis. But things in the economy were getting better, but there was still some fear in the markets, and we were still down about 30% from all-time highs. And the European sovereign debt crisis was still unfolding, and Greece was in pretty bad shape economically speaking. But they were given a huge bailout, but in exchange, they needed to cut public spending and raise taxes, and it caused some riots. Mm. You you remember any of this stuff ten years ago? Uh, I, I don't know. I know I had, I'd get a refresher. I think I've heard a little bit about it, but so this was on May fifth, two thousand and ten. So naturally, you can already see that people were a little fearful and the markets were down a few percent over the last couple of days. Well, the next morning on May 6th, 2010, the VIX, which we've talked about in the past, Ryan, is the volatility index, which is often called the fear index. You know, so typically it, uh, it goes up if the market's going down, right? if people are getting fearful. Um, it skyrocketed about 30%, Ooh. and the stock market continued to decline. And the Dow Jones was down about 4% for the day, which may not sound like a lot after what we went through last year, but you have to consider that the markets usually only increase 6 to 8% on average per year. So a 4% Ooh. decline in one day is a, you know, it's pretty big. Well, obviously, our story doesn't stop there. <laughs> if you were to look up videos on the flash crash, you could see footage of the media's reaction, which is pretty funny as this was going on. Um, it's, it's fun to watch CNBC's reaction, you know, so people like Jim Cramer. Are you, are, do you know Jim Cramer at all?
1: I've, I've seen his name. I've never seen any yeah, of
0: Mad Money. Yeah. Um, so as they were talking about the events occurring at the time, And the cause, you know, wondering, okay, what's the cause of this stock market decline and what's going on? And as they were talking, they had the Dow Jones chart on the screen. And you could see the market go from down 4% to down 5%, 6%, 7%, 8%, 9%. And it's, it's so interesting to see their reaction of just shock on what was going on. The stock market had lost... Almost a trillion dollars in equity, and some companies were losing over a third of their value within seconds. Oh. So, for example, <laughs> Procter and Gamble—you know, they're a very well-known consumer staple company. They make things like diapers and toilet paper, right? Mm. Um, its stock was down 36 percent, and the VIX was up about 64 percent at this point.
1: This isn't the matter of what time frame? Minutes? So, yeah, like Hours? minutes.
0: Maybe maybe like 5, 10 minutes oh. this is happening. Okay. So it looked like there was going to be a huge collapse and didn't look so good for the markets. So, Ryan, what if this happened tomorrow? What, what if this happened tomorrow? How do you think you would be reacting? Let's say you had some money in the market and you know, you're, you're trading maybe a few stocks you know, some, maybe some considerable sizes. Um, you have some investments, you know, w- would you sell out of your investments and trades right then? Would you be buying? What do you think you'd be doing at this point?
1: Oh, well, you know, I, I can say from experience, uh, I, I would probably be selling out just because I'd let the, that fear like <laughs> we talked about last week, right? That, that fear would, uh, uh, caused me to just sell out i I think I would cut my losses and just hope that I could buy back in once it bottoms out um but uh yeah i don't know
0: yeah i i would i would imagine i don't know what i would do, obviously you know you'd have to be in that situation but um I would imagine that yeah I would have some pretty big fear so
1: and and i' will say this as to say from experience i obviously I don't have experience like this in the stock market but in crypto things do go up and down like a whiplash right, right, and so i right. I've, I've felt i've seen i've been watching crypto uh prices plummet before my eyes and like i've you know and and it's scary, uh, it's, it's scary. yeah when you see when you're seeing your dollar amounts just dropping by the second and you're like i i, I, I gotta get out yeah. yeah well and even imagine imagine if you're like you know think about like our parents'
0: age, you know, like they're, they're a little bit older, they've, they've, you know, or a lot older, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. but they've worked their whole life, you know, and they probably have their money in, you know, portfolios and bonds and maybe some stocks and stuff. But like, you know, if you had your money invested and in the stock market and this was happening and you were going to re- plan on retiring, you know, next year or next couple days, right? You probably have this, this fear well, as everything was collapsing and didn't look so pretty, all of a sudden, before the media could even comprehend what they were seeing, you could see the market just miraculously stop on a dime and start moving in the other direction. What was looking like to be probably one of the worst days in stock, stock market history it ended up regaining almost seventy percent of its losses within minutes. Oh. So so instead of closing the day down over nine percent, it ended up only being down about three percent for the day. And our example, Procter and Gamble, instead of being down thirty six percent, it closed down only two percent.
1: Whoa. Okay. All right. <laughs> so yeah, pretty pretty amazing story. I, I'm right? Had a good ending. Yeah, I'm I'm imagining like imagining what that would look like in real time. I don't know if this is like just a crypto meme, but there's that meme of, of a, a, a stock chart with the candles and you know, you see the, the, the price going up and down and you see the price going down, 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 and then someone draws in a magnet on the chart. As if the magnet's pulling the price back up. <laughs> I don't know if that's like a stock thing. Maybe that's just a crypto thing. I haven't seen that one. Okay. No. Anyway, a lot of people do that as if, you know, this magic magnet is gonna be pulling that price magically back up and I can just to see that, you know, all these giant magnets just coming onto the stock chart, pulling it back up magically. Yeah. That's a
0: good visual. Yeah. If you were to look at a at the chart of like Procter and Gamble of that one day, you know, you look at like the they're called candlesticks and they call it the Wick, right? You know, where the price action went, but it didn't actually, you know, close or open within that frame. Mm-hmm. Like the wick the bottom wick is like so massive. It just looks like this huge bar and then it comes right back up. <laughs> it's crazy to see. I haven't seen anything like that. Um, so a question for you, Ryan. So we kind of already alluded to this, but do you know if the crypto market has seen anything like this? You know, I would imagine that it would be more common because of how volatile the crypto market can be. But have you seen any kind of like, price action whether it be in bitcoin or ethereum or something like that that had a huge crash but then just instantly came back basically
1: yeah so i so one happened just uh, last year and this is actually one that i was just talking about where i, I saw it happening before my eyes uh with bitcoin bitcoin is around like ten thousand dollars i think and and then literally within you know I could see the price moving down within 30 seconds or so. It dropped $1,500, and uh, you know, which is like what 10, 15 percent.
0: Yeah, that's a big one.
1: Um, and uh, so that was, that was that was a pretty big drop. But historically, um, I know there are two famous. I think they actually called it flash crashes as well. Um, uh, back in 2017. So this is right before the big bull run where everything just shot to all time highs. In yeah. crypto when everything just went crazy and then the the bubble popped and everything fell down. So this is right before all that happened. Um Ethereum uh was about three hundred dollars and then it flash crashed down to ten cents. Whoa. And then uh popped right back up t- within the same day to uh three hundred twenty dollars or something. Like <laughs> oh and then, you know, six months later it's up in fifteen hundred dollars all time high. Um and then I think Bitcoin did something uh, similar earlier that year where it went from like, uh, what was it, $1,200, flash crash down to $0.06, cents and then pop right back up. Um, mm. And there are different reasons for those. And, and I'm sure we'll talk about what led to this flash crash in the stock market, but it's, it's always yeah. interesting to to, to to understand what, what, what happened when this yes. crash happens.
0: Exactly. Well, hold hold that thought because I'm curious to see what you learned about that, what caused that, because that's really interesting. I wonder if there's similar stories here. But uh, a random tidbit I learned over the last year or so, which I, I'm not sure if you're familiar with this, but it's uh, – circ- have you heard of circuit breakers? Yes. you heard of these? Uh-huh. Okay. Does, does crypto have anything like that?
1: Uh, maybe I'm not thinking of the same thing that you're thinking of. <laughs> maybe, not. maybe I haven't heard of this, no.
0: Okay, well, I'm, I'm sure there's multiple you know, terms for circuit breakers, but I guess in context of the stock market...
1: Oh, i think about electricity the... in a house, okay. <laughs> right, right.
0: Well, okay, so circuit breakers in the stock market, essentially there are certain rules that have, uh, they have like three different levels, and the market will stop trading. They'll basically stop all trading for 15 minutes. If there's a drop in the market by 7%, 13% and if it drops 20% or more then trading is done for the remainder of the trading day oh have you, have you heard of that at all
1: actually mm, it sounds familiar but
0: yeah so I guess like the SEC or run of the regulators found that you know when when there's a big down day uh, it just kind of builds like there's momentum and so they want to try to you know halt it sure. and so they they you know say hey okay let's take a break here. Uh, and they, so they call them circuit breakers. Um, so we did see that happen in March last year a few times. It never got to a level three where everything shut down for the day, but there was a circuit breaker on March 9th uh, when it was down 7.79% on the day uh, the Dow was down. And then March 12th, it was down 9.99%. And then March 16th, It was down 12.93%. Whoa. And which was the second biggest down day in history for the Dow, which is kind of crazy. And then the largest down day ever for the Dow was October 19th, 1987. It was down 22.61%. On that day, and oh, uh, I think that's when they actually created the circ- circuit breaker rule. Was after that day, which they call Black Monday, you know, which was the 1987 crash. Okay, um, and and so,
1: and, and this flash crash you were talking about earlier, this it was nine percent, you said,
0: yeah, it now was down about nine percent or just and then over nine percent, yeah. So as you can imagine, this flash crash, it raised lots of questions. you know, what what happened? What caused this panic selling and how did it rebound so fast? So even though this all happened within minutes, it took about five months for the SEC and other regulators to investigate to see why this happened. Five months? Yeah. <laughs> and what? it actually it actually c- continued on like they found more and more out over the years. Um, but what they concluded was that this was caused by, quote, prevailing market conditions combined with the introduction of a large equity sell order, implemented in a particularly dislocating manner. <laughs> so they were ref- they were referring to Waddell and Reed, which is a mutual fund. This mutual fund had used an algorithm trading strategy to sell contracts. And it was a massive sell order. I think it was like $4 billion of selling. Oh. And apparently there was a an error in their algorithm. Um, and so do do you know very much about algorithms, Ryan? I know you're a math guy, which I know because you taught me most of the math I learned in school <laughs> growing up. So are you familiar with
1: algorithms? I, I dabble, but not, not particularly, no.
0: Okay, well... I don't really know very much about algorithms, but I find it pretty interesting that they use them in the stock market. Uh, But they were essentially built to replace humans because they can do things that humans wouldn't be able to do physically. So one of those things is called HFT or high frequency trading, which allows the machines to process huge amounts of orders within fractions of a second. And if you think about it, there's a ton of data that is being collected and analyzed by these computers. And I heard a crazy statistic that if you were to record the first second of trading for all equities, options, and futures in the United States and, printed it, it, and print it on a sheet of paper, each line you know, being like a trade or a quote, the first second would create a stack of paper six feet high. Oh. So a ton of data. Um, and so there's actually companies that all they do is high-frequency trading. And how they make profits is from what's called scalping. Are you, are you familiar with that
1: term? Yeah, yeah, for scalping.
0: Okay, so basically it's where you're trying to capture profits from very small increases in stock prices. So, for example, if you were to buy 1 million shares and then immediately sold them 1 cent above where you bought them, Within like a fraction of a second, then you just made $10,000. So even a penny increase could be a huge profit. Does, does that make sense? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So think about their business model. First, they have to ask themselves how fast can we receive information? You know, maybe the information is a stock price, for example. And then, two, how fast can we process that information? and three how fast can we send back an action you know like to actually purchase or sell you know or something like that and the faster you can do th- those three things the better positioned you are to make money so <laughs> imagine how sketchy this business sounds you might have a company with no name on the door on a big building where they do business There are fences around the building, heavily guarded, cameras everywhere, no windows. They have double of everything, and they might have another building that has double of everything as well so they can execute these high-frequency trades because if they can't execute trades for even a second, it can cost them thousands of dollars. And they use a lot of power to operate, so if they lose power, they have to have those backups, right? And there's something called the race to zero, which is like the race to zero latency. So they don't want any lag between real time of what's happening in the stock exchange and what their computers are actually seeing. And the faster latency you have, the better you're gonna be against your competition because you can buy and sell before everybody else does. So most of these companies to get better latency are like physically close to like New York you know, like in the New Jersey area. So sounds like a, you know, normal industry, right? Normal company. (laughs) Yeah. So one side note with these HFT companies, um, there are some risks that they have. So apparently, I thought this was kind of an interesting little mini story. Uh, There was a company called Knight Capital, and it was a huge HFT or high-frequency trading firm at the time. And it installed a software in 2012, and the software accidentally bought and sold $7 billion of stocks at bad prices, Uh and it caused the company to settle its positions, costing them $440 million in one day, which eliminated 40% of the company's value. And so they ended up having to get acquired by another company because of that incident. So... Kind of crazy this business. It's very obviously very lucrative, very fast-paced uh, as far as the computers and uh, some risk involved, especially if there's some errors.
1: I, I, uh, I'm I'm still sorry. I'm still stuck on why don't they have windows on their buildings?
0: <laughs> probably just like cause security. They don't want people like I don't know getting ideas of stealing their computers or equipment or something. I don't know. I'm Mm -hmm. not exactly sure. So some analysts think that there was actually a pretty big time lag in stock prices. People were seeing on the day of the flash crash, maybe even up to like 30 seconds. And and so, so companies that had these, uh, you know, this advanced technology had a huge advantage during this small moment in time you know in 30 seconds may not sound like very much but that's huge for a situation like this and it could have made these companies you know millions of dollars but the SEC they didn't think it was important in their investigations so kind <laughs> of a kind of an interesting makes you kind of wonder <laughs> tidbit there anyway to conclude what happened with the flash crash the theory is that because of market fear and certain errors and algorithms, it could have triggered a bunch of automated sell orders, which then pushed the prices lower and it continued to trigger more algorithms as the stock market kept going down and down. So it was like a chain reaction, but the algos can also trigger buying if stocks fall below a certain price as well. So it mm. could be the cause of massive buying and quick recovery during the flash crash. So it essentially just corrected itself, if that makes sense.
1: So interesting. So why doesn't this happen more often?
0: Well, they think they think because of that moment. You know, back then, 2010, um, it was becoming more and more common these high-frequency traders and using these algorithms. It wasn't as common as it is today. And so they think that from that experience and maybe a couple of other experiences, um, maybe not as crazy, um, that the algorithms were kind of changed and tweaked and improved so that it kind of uh, helps offset this from happening again. Hmm. Uh, I don't know all the, the science and mathematics that goes behind that, but uh, obviously it still could happen. Um, but it, it seems like there's just kind of some errors and some glitches in in the algorithms.
1: Yeah, interesting.
0: So that's one theory and probably the most logical explanation in my opinion for the flash crash. But there's a big part of the story I left out on purpose, which is the story of Navinder Sarau, which is the hound of Houn- Hounslow or the flash crash trader. <laughs> have
1: you heard of this guy at all this guy sounds epic i'm excited to hear about him
0: (laughs) so his story is very much tied into the flash crash and a lot of people consider him to be the reason for the flash crash so i'm actually going to leave that as a cliffhanger for you ryan for another fool's gold story for another day (laughs) but i think you'll find it really interesting i was going through it and i was going to include it but i was like this guy's story is way too interesting and I want to spend some more time on it. So, uh you'll have to stay tuned for that one.
1: Brian, I want to know about the Hounsler. Come on.
0: <laughs> the Hound of Hanslow. <laughs> oh. Okay. <laughs> I think that's where he lived. It's a it's like a British uh uh city or something like that. And Hanslow. Yeah, Han Houn- Hanslow or Hanslow. Hans- they call him Solo. the Hound of Hanslow <laughs> Han <Solo. laughs> or the Flash Crash Trader. There's all all sorts of names for him. Uh, Is this
1: like a conspiracy theory? No,
0: he oh. actually, you know, th- there's some a lot of truth to it. But anyway, we'll we'll get more into it. I want to leave it uh, leave it hanging for a little bit. All right. But before we wrap up, I have a question for you, Ryan. Yeah. How do you think trading and investing will change in the future? Do you think retail investors will even exist in fifty years, or do you think it will be You know, all computers trading, and it'll be too dangerous for someone like you and me, and the Joe Blow investor and trader, to get in.
1: Brian, you're assuming that I don't have my own algorithms that I'm running.
0: (laughs) Are you the 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 hound of
1: uh, uh, fool's gold? Yes, exactly. (laughs) That's exactly what I am. No, um, yeah, it's a good question. I think you know, as, as I think about it, certainly there's. Obviously there's there's distinct advantages to running algorithms. You remove emotions and you're purely making decisions based on data, right? A- analysis. Right. And and this also reduces the um, processing time so you can make decisions a lot quicker than a, than a human brain can process, right? Yeah. Um but I it's, I think that, I feel like that's only half of the story when it comes to trading. And, you know, there's, there's certain elements to it. Like how well do these algorithms process news? Um, judging between what is considered good news, uh, you know, or bad news, does it even consider news at all in terms of, you know, companies, maybe, maybe, maybe it factors in, uh, profit, uh, earnings, reportings, whatever. Right. Right. Um, you know, or like in crypto, there's always news of uh, partnerships or being listed on new exchanges, or like there's, there's a lot of news. How do, how do these algorithms process this news? I feel like a lot of this, at least currently with our current technology, requires a human brain to interpret or at least make some kind of guess as to what it would do to a, a price of some asset. Right.
0: That's a good point. I, I mean, if you think about it, it can be an asset to, not interpret news like you know think about like with the riots that were happening and stuff just recently at the capitol Mm -hmm. right um people were shocked that the stock market just like roared that day you know it was just everything was fine you know like it was just nothing happened and i can't remember the statistic of like how many like how much of the trades in the stock market is you know algorithm based and computer based i think it's something high like 80 percent or something like that so it can be good because they don't care you know like all the noise that is uh coming through and people are like oh everything should be chaotic and emotional and like the stock market should be down 10 percent you know and but like they don't care nothing's really changed you know and so computers just like you said don't have the emotion and so they but like but like you mentioned it's also a bad thing too because there could be some fundamental changes uh, that happen, you know, that would be important. Um, and so I, I know some people think, you know, here's an example. Some people think that the autonomous cars will be the future and that you'll never see someone actually driving a car again. You'll just get into a car and say where you want to go and a computer will take you there in the most efficient and safest way possible. Mm-hmm. And maybe you can make the same argument for trading stocks and cryptos were Everything is automated, but I don't think that will ever happen, in my opinion, because there's an art to driving, right? There's an art to trading that I think will never be lost, and no computer can ever, you know, eliminate that art. So, regardless of how efficient or how fast they can be, uh, I just don't see that happening. Um, And so, I don't know, I don't really see, I don't know what what technology can do to improve the trading and investing world. Um, you know, like, obviously they can make things look more pretty, you know, and, and uh, make it easier for the user, you know, to actually make trades. But I don't see anything revolutionary that would basically eliminate humans from, you know, making trades and investments.
1: So here's here's a question, though. So what if – so over time, algorithms are going to get better, right? They're going to get – Um, faster and make smarter decisions based on, you know, past history of price action. And so what if it becomes a a time where these algorithms are able to execute trades faster than we retail investors are able to get in? And so we're, we are buying at their, um, buying when the algorithms are selling or, you know, and, and so we're buying at the peaks because the computers are always, um, Able to to do these trades before a, uh, a human investor would be able to make uh, execute these uh, investments. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so like so over over time, these algorithms. What what if they start to align in some sense, and they start to? Anyway, I, I you know this is, I don't think this has ever happened, but I, I do wonder, over what will happen to these algorithms if you give it enough time to, um, you know, fine tune it well enough. Yeah, could it just be a case where the retail villi- retail investors are are the ones that are just buying all all the the peaks and and uh, the the computers are making out with all the profits?
0: Yeah, I'm sure that's probably one of the reasons why it's you know people say it's hard to be a trader you know unless you're very skilled because I'm sure the algorithms have changed a lot of that, um, which is a, I don't know that's a good question. Um, have you heard I, I I was when I was doing my research, I just kept hearing the term black box. Have you heard of that term? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I didn't really understand it fully, but there's like conspiracy theories of like, well what if you build these algorithms and you just you know, they're basically these like artificial intelligence, you know, where you create these these formulas and algorithms and then you just kind of let them go and just let them do their thing. And then they start thinking for themselves and like start, (laughs) you know, changing and, you know, in ways that we don't really understand and it starts doing things and becomes smarter. And anyway, so some people think that's kind of what they're doing with the stock market is just letting these algorithms um, like evolve, you know, and (laughs) they're figuring things out that we don't really truly understand, which it's a whole nother topic that we can maybe explore someday. But yeah, uh, <laughs> hey, I
1: love I love conspiracy theories <laughs> and anything like that.
0: So I'm curious, Ryan. How how did the uh, Bitcoin Ethereum flash crash? Did they, anybody find out what caused that?
1: Yeah. So uh, so this is both again both were in 2017, and um, so they're both for different reasons. But interestingly enough, both of them are tied to something that happened on the exact same exchange. So the same exchange caused both flash crashes. And the the exchange was GDAX, which has actually been rebranded as Coinbase. Oh. (laughs) So Coinbase actually um, essentially caused both of these flash crashes. So the Ethereum one uh, was interesting. It it was uh, some guy, I don't know if he really understood investing he happened to have a whole bunch of ethereum though so basically this guy decides he wants to sell millions and millions of dollars worth of ethereum all at once and again ethereum is about 300 dollars at the time
0: hey just like uh waddell and reed you know selling five billion four billion dollars of uh of funds
1: exactly yeah yeah and uh and um and so but the thing is when he goes to sell it he places a market order and correct me if I'm wrong, Brian, with, but with market orders, uh, is that when uh, basically it's, it's, uh, you're selling it at whatever price you can get it at, and so that price that you sell it at may be dropping as you sell, right?
0: Yep. Very, very risky to do market orders, when, especially when there's a lot of volatility.
1: Yes. So here's this volatile uh, cryptocurrency, Ethereum. Anyway, so he's selling millions of dollars worth of Ethereum with a market order, and so that that single handedly drops the price of Ethereum, I don't remember how much, like a hundred dollars or something. Uh, just to sell all of his Ethereum that he's trying to get off. Well, because it affected the price so much, and again, this is this was a few years back when Ethereum was only around a year or two and it was still kind of new. Um so he
0: was he was one of the whales.
1: He's so one of those like. whales, exactly. Um, okay. He, a whale that didn't know what he was doing, it sounds like <laughs> and, or maybe desperate to get off the Ethereum. Yeah. Anyways, and so he so that just drops crashes the price single-handedly basically. Um and this triggered a bunch of um sell orders on a bunch of other investors who had set sell orders around 250 or something. And so then the the pra- the, the price just crashed. Just everyone just started selling selling automatically because of all these sell orders. And so that plummeted the price down to 10 cents. Um and then very quickly people lapped that up, and uh, it, it went right back up to about three hundred dollars. So, so that was that was Ethereum's it's basically because similar. of a whale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Except for, except this was just one guy who <laughs> I don't know.
0: Not a not a mutual fund. <laughs>
1: right, right. Uh, and, and I'm sure he had windows in his house and uh, and uh. anyways. So the, the Bitcoin flash crash was a little bit different. It was also GDAX. They had um gone down for scheduled maintenance they had taken their servers offline or something for scheduled maintenance and uh at the time bitcoin was at about 1200 dollars. and uh, then when they come back from maintenance there's some issue with the pricing of their crypto and and i don't remember exactly off the top of my head what it was the issue but for whatever reason they were listing bitcoin at six cents and so people actually were just able to buy at six cents um, and, uh, it was just a, a bug in their pricing mechanism. I think they call it like a print error or something where it was displaying the wrong price, but some people were able to buy it that cheap. Um, and, yeah. uh, you know, that's that. And, and then, like I said, you know, that was, that was a, the Bitcoin one was like in March, I think of 2017. And so then nine months later, Bitcoin goes up to $20,000. <laughs> and so if you bought at six cents, and held on for nine months. Oh, my (laughs) god! Some some big gains right there.
0: Did they, like, correct it? Everybody got to keep what they uh, they bought?
1: Yeah. So I think, actually, the exchange, uh, GDAX, I think they even um, reimbursed people, especially for the Ethereum flash crash, because a lot of people lost money because of all those sell orders. Yeah. Um, And uh, so I think they actually reimbursed uh, some people for the money that they lost but uh with the bitcoin flash crash i think it was just the exchange that lost the money there um because it was selling it for so so cheap and so they didn't no one i mean people just benefited from that so
0: interesting
1: crazy stuff with uh yeah the the whiplash of uh crypto
0: that's that's nuts definitely some uh, you know similarities with uh with those stories
1: yeah and a lot of it is is tied to that technology right i mean Yep. <laughs> if you're relying on technology with these investments, you know, you, you don't know what you're going to get all the time. You're going to have these Stupid.
0: mistakes. Well, that does it for another episode of the Fool's Gold podcast. I hope you enjoyed our story of the day and learned something from it. If you did, feel free to leave us a five-star review on whatever podcasting platform you're listening to. And also check us out on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Fool's Gold. That's G-O-A-L-E-D. We post there a few times per week. But until next time, Ryan, I'll talk to you later.
1: Take you later, Brian.